Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, good early evening. Maybe for some of you, it's already Thursday evening here. It's still what's late Thursday afternoon, about to be early Thursday evening on this June the 23rd, 2022 at 5.45 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Sometimes I say two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. I hope I hope things are going well with you. I hope so. I... I I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little frustrated. And and here's the reason why I'm a little frustrated. I'm always critiquing whatever I do, right? So for every podcast episode, I typically critique it. There's always things I'm there's always things I'm never happy about. I mean, of course, one of the things doing a live broadcast, there's no second, there's no second takes. There's no edit, right? I mean, I could, I could always, after the live broadcast is over, go edit and clean it all up. Every once in a while, I'll clean maybe one or two things up, but most of the time I just leave it alone. 99% of the time I just leave it alone and whatever is there is whatever is there. I try, I try, I, on one hand, you don't want to be overcritical. On the other hand, you don't want to be like, oh, that was the greatest thing ever. You want to try to have a, an accurate perception of what content you're putting out. You want to have an accurate perception. And I just have to be honest with you. This Bible study exercise that we're currently working on, remember, we've been working on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology. I'm a little frustrated with, I'm a little disappointed in because it feels like, and I, and I had to know this going in, that for me, and and I, and maybe maybe I shouldn't feel bad about it. You, you you can give me your own your own feedback. It may be even more critical than you may say. You barely even scratched the surface for how bad this has been. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, I just felt the need. I felt that it was necessary to spend a good portion of this study trying to explain what the Holy Spirit isn't doing in 2022, what the Holy Spirit is not doing for you and in you, because I feel like that the, the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, it's oversold. It's, they oversell. They're, they're selling something that's not accurate. I feel like it's like a, a fraudulent info commercial. Hey, become a Christian. You get the Holy Spirit and you get the following. You get power. You get the ability to understand scripture. God's going to, you get revelation. You get this. You get this. But wait, call now. There's more. And I feel like that we've sold that so much in 2,000 years of church history. And then you sit back and look at that very same 2,000 years of church history where we're making all of these claims of, hey, sign up now, and this is what you'll get. Become a Christian today, and this is what you will get that we sell it in such a way, but at the same time, if you look at that same 2,000 years of church history, division, church splits, never-ending amounts of confusion and disagreement over every doctrine, every theological point of view, over every scripture, hundreds and thousands of different denominations, just fighting and arguing, fighting and arguing. You see 
uh, all every kind of sin you can imagine within the body of Christ. You see, I mean, you see it all the way in First Corinthians. You see every kind of sin present in the church. In the church, and Paul's like, "Hey, guys, no, no, no! You've got power. You can just stop this." He he just refers to them as babes in Christ. He calls them into calls it into question. He condemns the sin, but in almost every letter written to a church in the New Testament, it's correcting. Pro- there's problems. There's divisions. There's sin. There there's there's just, you name it, there's every kind of, there's heresy, there's false teachers, you name it. So the reality of 2,000 years of church history is sin and and, and spiritual failure and moral failure and just every, every type of failure you can imagine. But while all of that failure is very evident to anyone paying attention, just like if you if you just pay attention to things going on in the church today, this scandal and this scandal, and sexual abuse and child molestation and 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 this scandal and th- you just name it, it's everywhere. But at the same time, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how how many how many scandals have, uh, happen, no matter how much failure and how much sin, we continue to sell it. Sign up today, get the Holy Spirit, and boom, you can say no to sin. Boom, you can overcome sin. Boom, and I, we probably don't say the boom, but you get the idea. You get all of this, and and so I hate that the study of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit has to be me going. Mm, not so sure about that. Nope, nope, not, nope. That's, nope, that's not happening. Clearly that's not happening. Nope, that's not happening. No, that's not happening. No, that's not happening. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like, well, am I adequately handling it? But when, when something has been so abused, sometimes you have to spend most of your study trying to correct the abuse. Trying to say, no, we need a more realistic approach to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I and I know as soon as I start calling these things into question, Christians get defensive. Christians get mad. But it, it's like, you can get mad all you want. In fact, in many cases, what's funny, while they're getting mad and they respond to me, they demonstrate, wait, I, wait you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You, your response should be the most godly and perfect. And but, but you demonstrate your own fleshliness. You demonstrate your own anger. You demonstrate your own sin, even when you're trying to defend a doctrine that you say gives you the ability not to do any of that. And, and, and at the same time, it, it bothers me because I think a lot of people have been greatly hurt by it. I think a lot of the deconstruction, a lot of it begins right here. We sell a Christianity that people don't actually experience. There's a Christianity, I've said it before, there's the Christianity we sell. There's the Christianity we pretend to have. And then there's the Christianity we truly experience. The one we experience is not the one we sometimes try to pretend and everyone around us tries to pretend that they're experiencing. And sooner or later, sometimes people stop pretending and that leads to the deconstructing. But even the pretend in many cases is still not even close to what we sell it. We, we, there's a Christianity that is sold, there's a Christianity that is pretended, and there's a Christianity that's actually experienced. And why is there such a major difference in all of that? I don't know why. I don't know why. And I, but a lot of it has to come down to fraudulent teaching on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I, I really, really believe this. And, and I, I, I feel bad. I know, I, I, I've, but the good thing is I gave you the topical method of Bible study and I, g- I gave you the assignment to do the topical method of Bible study in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I did get some feedback. I think one person, maybe two people said that this is a great way 
to study a big doctrine like this, that this, this method is, is, is a great way. And, 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 and people are, are you t- talking about how much work it requires. And I'm very grateful for the people who are putting in the work. I am very grateful. For those who haven't put in the work but just want to argue, I wish you would put more work into actually doing the topical method of Bible study on this doctrine than just arguing with me. I, I really, I think you would probably benefit more because you're not going to change my mind uh, on this because uh, I, I've, I've just... I've seen I've seen the failure too much. I've just seen the disconnect between what is preached and what is lived, and it just drives me absolutely crazy. So, I I, I wish I wish it wasn't the case that I have to basically say nope, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. That's not accurate. But I'm sorry, it's not accurate that you teach that basically now you uh, and and I'll just give you one example. I'll just give you and I know this is controversial. I know this is controversial, but this one really bothers me. It bothers me greatly because you're dealing with real people. Real people are being hurt by it. Real people are are suffering from it. And I think it it leads these people to give up on Christianity. I think it leads these people to say, "Well, Christianity is fraudulent." And it and it makes me very very upset. Let me explain. There is a teaching out there very prevalent in the evangelical church. And I would assume about 99% of the people who are going to hear this are going to strongly disagree with me. And that's okay. That's okay. But I just think the teaching is so messed up. But the teaching goes like this. If you're an individual and you find yourself struggling greatly, you may even feel that you were born that way, but you feel yourself struggling greatly with same-sex attraction, right? You, you, uh, you have strong sexual feelings for someone of the same sex, whether male or female, right? Homosexuality, you're, you're struggling with it, and, and you just don't know what to do. There's a teaching in the evangelical world that you cannot have that feeling. You cannot have that struggle. You cannot have that lust. You cannot have that desire and be a spirit-filled, born-again Christian. You cannot, because when you become a Christian, God removes that. It's just gone. You are transformed. That's how it's sold. Whenever I hear that, I'm sorry. I have to just like put my hands over my head to keep it from exploding. I have to put my hand over my mouth. I have to put my feet in motion and walk away from the conversation because I'm going to say something that's going to be very, 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 very ungodly. But many of the people who make those claims, they never stop to go, well, wait a minute. You're heterosexual. You, you, you never struggle with lust? Never, never. Never have any sexual attraction or desire for someone not your wife or not your girlfriend or, or someone you're not in a relationship with or someone other than the person you're in a relationship with? Never struggle with pornography Nothing, nothing, no, no, it's just completely gone, just completely gone. You never struggle with any sexual sin. You never struggle with what? No sin. Never struggle with bitterness, unforgiveness, hatefulness, slothfulness, ungodliness, pride. It's just you become a Christian and boom, it's gone. How come heterosexuals can still be Christians and struggle with every sin under the sun, but for some reason, if someone cannot become a Christian and struggle with homosexuality, because you just can't. Why? That is the most ridiculous thing that the logic there, not only is it so not biblical or theological, it's just so illogical. No, people become Christians, and even though we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we still struggle with sin. 
We do, we still struggle with selfishness, arrogance. You you can go on ungodliness, wrong way of thinking, wrong way of feeling, wrong desires. You we don't love people the way we should. We love ourselves more than we should. You can go on all day long. Every kind of wrong desire and sin, it's there inside of you. So why can we look at a certain group of people with a certain sin and go, no, 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 you can't be saved and have that desire? Where are what are you talking about? You can't see your this is this is the problem. So many times as Christians, we see everyone else's sins so much better than we see our own, don't we? We see everyone else's shortcomings, everyone else's failures, and we cannot see our own. I don't know about you. I man. There's some stuff inside of me that I don't want to be there. I wish that, oh, I've got the Holy Spirit. It's just gone. Boom. It's just removed. But see, we teach this. Well, then people are like, well, I became a Christian and I pray. I tried to pray it away. I tried to, uh, I, I did a, um, a special podcast episode where we reviewed the lyrics of a song called Holy Water, where I talk about some of these things, because it's a song that's very pro-homosexual, but to me, it's a song that describes, well, the, the struggle of every Christian. You try to pray it away. You try to, you do everything you can to make it go away, and it doesn't go away. Well, thy desire for sin never goes away. It's the reality. And you say, but you get the Holy Spirit, and it, where, where, why are you teaching that? Because if that was the case, every Christian who has the Holy Spirit, we would just stop sinning. But we don't. I wish we did. Oh, I wish we did. I wish it was that simple. And I know what you're going to say, but if anyone's in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. So that means the old nature is gone. Well, no. Okay. Well, then that verse, you're interpreting the verse incorrectly. That is true positionally. And it's true that that's how I am to view you. If you claim to be a Christian, I'm to view you as a new creature. The old is gone. Everything is new. I don't hold the old against you because it's been forgiven. And now I see you as someone who the imputed righteousness, the the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you. I see the imputed righteousness of Christ, not your failure or your sin. But, but we, we've taught this so incorrectly. I know, I know I'm not really advancing our study, but we'll get to what we're going to do this, this evening. Uh, but I, 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 just, I just had to at least express my frustration here because I feel like that's all I'm doing in, the, in this series. But I just feel like that, that there's a problem. There's just a problem within Christianity. We sell a Christianity that no one ever truly experiences. And then we spend a lot of our Christian life pretending that we have a Christianity that we really don't have. But then there's the Christianity that we really live. And, and, and some, at some point, some people's like, something's wrong here. Something's wrong. Yeah. What's wrong is not Christianity. What's wrong is the fraudulent form of Christianity that was sold to you. That's the problem. Now, here's what we're doing. I gave everyone the assignment. I didn't hear a lot back on this one. So I'm just going to pick up the assignment and we're going to work on it. Now, we did work on this a little bit at Victory Baptist Church. Uh, but uh, all our, string, our sound system, you know, has given up the ghost and has died. So we're working on getting that all repaired, and hopefully by Sunday we'll have it fixed. So um, this one, it did not get actually, uh, you know, recorded or live streamed. So I'm just going to pick this up, and hopefully this will be beneficial. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to start thinking this way. Now, we've talked about the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate or to reveal. And we talked about the, these works being either for the apostolic age, for the, for the inspiration of Scripture. That, in other words, 
we have seen in many cases the work of the Spirit of God took place in specific times for specific situations, and it's not a guarantee that that's how it's always going to work. And we can, we can see that in a number of different ways, but a good example is when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We can see that the Holy Spirit empowered people, for example, Samson, in a way that he never did again. So that was a one-time situation. And a lot of times when people talk about, now we have power, we have power, we have power, I think a lot of people understand that that power is available to us today, and they assign that power. It's the power to overcome sin. It's the power to stop sinning. And it's all this supposed power. And I think it's, I think in many cases, we're, we're just, we're, we're making promises that are not there. Because if we have the power of the Spirit, which is, well, third person of the Trinity, eternal, omnipotent God, well, then we we should have then the power to stop sinning, right? And so then people, well, you have the power, but you have to utilize the power. Well, if you have to utilize the power, wouldn't the power of the Holy Spirit in me overcome my inability to acquire that? Yeah, it just becomes, it becomes, it, it just, we claim something and then try to come up with 900 excuses for why it never truly does what it, it's supposed to do. But I think there's an issue with the power that that first we have the example of the power that God, the power of the Spirit upon uh, Samson, if I said Job, I'm sorry, Samson clearly is not, it's, it never it never did that ever again, never did that ever again. I'm sorry if I said Job, I'm thinking I said Job because of our last live message. But the Spirit of God came upon Samson to do things in a way that nobody else had, had, had ever come again. So clearly God's power is not always operating the same in us as it did in that particular case. And I think when we talk about the word power as it refers to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we may have once again an example of where that power was utilized in a specific way for the apostolic era that's not operating today after the apostolic era. This will make sense in just a minute. So if you have your Bible, go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, we read these words, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, if you have the Blue Letter Bible app, I would challenge you to do this. Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to open it right quick. Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to go to the book of Acts. New Testament. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to go down to verse 33 interlinear, and I'm going to look for the word power, and here it is. Here is the Greek word that is translated power in Acts 4.33. You know the Greek word. Strong's G, 14.11, dunamis, dunamis. It's the Greek word dunamis, dunamis. Now, you've probably heard all kinds of sermons where they talk about the Greek word dunamis, and they may say something like, well, that's close to the word dynamite. See, we have the dunamis. We have the dynamite of God inside of us. We have this power, this dynamic power inside of us. Therefore, we can, and then they'll start telling you all the things you can supposedly do. Now, the dunamis here, um, the word, uh, the Greek word dunamis, it's used 120 times. It's referred, it's translated power 77 times, mighty work 11 times, strength seven times, miracle seven times, might four times, virtue three times, and might two times. The outline of biblical usage, to strengthen power ability, inherent power, 
power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, of which a person or thing exerts and puts forth, power for performing miracles, moral power and excellence of soul, the power and influences which belongs to riches and wealth, power and resources arising from numbers, power consisting in resting upon armies, forces, or host. Dunamis. I cannot tell you how many sermons I've heard about, we have the dunamis in us. We have the dunamis so we can overcome temptation. We can overcome sin. We have the power to keep God's law. We have the dunamis. And it's preached and preached and preached that way. And guess what? People say, amen. And they clap. And then they go out and guess what? They sin and they struggle and there's failure and there's more, fel- more moral failure in the church, moral failure in the pulpit, more sin, 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 sin. And, and sometimes you want to go, where, where's the dunamis? Well, how is dunamis at least used in the book of Acts? Now, I find this interesting because Grudem and his systematic theology who very much has, you know, that we, we get power from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does some things that I would call into question even he stops in his systematic theology, and in a footnote, he's like, we need to consider the Greek word dunamis here, because it's interesting how it's used in the book of Acts, and I think it's very interesting how it's used in the book of Acts. Very interesting, because once again, here's my, my thesis. The Spirit came upon Samson to do great uh, works of strength that clearly was not always operationing, operating in that way. And I think the same way with God using the Holy Spirit to reveal truth and lead people into all truth. That was done during the apostolic era to ultimately lead to the inspiration of Scripture. So I think it was for a period of time. Is it possible that the dunamis, at least, at least in the book of Acts, had a clear, specific purpose that once again was, connect, was limited to the apostolic era? What was the dunamis doing in the book of Acts? Well, I'm going to go back to Grudem's footnote. Because this is the way he works this out, and I think it's pretty interesting, all right? The word here translated power, dunamis, occurs nine other times in the book of Acts. In one case, Acts 4.33, it is unclear whether this power refers to powerful preaching that convicted the hearers or to miraculous signs that accompanied the preaching. So according to Grudem and Acts 4.33, we don't really know exactly what the dunamis is referring to. Let me read it to you again. All right. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. So there's some dispute. Well, was this preaching or did he, was this their ability to perform miraculous works? So, so he, Grudem says there's some dispute about Acts 4.33. So he says, we can set that one aside because there can't be any agreement on it. But he says, we have others that we can look like, look at, that will give us some idea of what dunamis really is. So let's see where he goes with this. But the other eight examples, and then he's going to start giving us these eight examples. So let's start working through these. Let's go to Acts 2.22. Acts 2.22. And here's what we want to figure out. In these eight examples... Right? This may take us about 30 minutes to accomplish. You just stay with me. What I, he, he's going to try to dim, or what we need to determine, let's do it this way. What we need to determine is what is the dunamis referring to, right? Because again, so, much, so many times it says, you've got dunamis, now you can do A, B, C, D, E, and we start talking about all things. 
But at least in the book of Acts, when dunamis is mentioned, what is it referencing to? Let's, let's, what, what's it a reference to? Let's go to Acts 2.22 and see if we can figure this out. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts 2.22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Let me read, let me read this carefully. Acts 2.22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know. Now let's go to Acts 2.22 in the Blue Letter Bible app. Where is the word dunamis? It's not translated power. How is it translated? Let's go to Acts 2.22. Go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Where is the word dunamis? Where is it? You men of Israel, I'm reading from the interlinear. You men of Israel, hear words these Jesus of Nazareth, a man of God approved among you by miracles. By miracles, which is, guess what Greek word? By miracles. Strong's G, 1411. Dunamis. 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 So here, dunamis refers to supernatural miracles. In this case, it's used to describe the miracles which Jesus did. These are miracles. We have dunamis, right? But we can't say, in this particular case, we got to make sure the dunamis here is referencing, in this particular verse, miracles. Well, guess what? Jesus did miracles. I don't care what charismatics claim, because they're always claiming that, oh, we've got dunamis, therefore these same miracles are happening today. They claim it all day long. They're not at the local hospital. They're not at the local graveyard. They're not waiting for for military members who are coming back from, well, uh, when we were in Afghanistan or Iraq, coming back missing an arm or a leg. And and, and no, they're, they're not doing anything. Or coming back in a casket draped in an American flag. They're not there raising the dead, healing people. They claim it all the time, but they don't. And, and look, if you're charismatic, you can you can email me and argue all day. Worked in the me- medical world for 22 years, saw charismatics constantly claiming healing, then calling me for an appointment, and then needing to get into the doctor. And it's like, well, come on, come, just come on. Just stop with your nonsense. But they, 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 they commit themselves to an ideology that even when reality tells them it's not true, they can't see the reality. Well, if dunamis is referring to the ability to do miraculous signs and wonders. It's referring to that kind, the power of miracles and that. Well, then guess what? Clearly, that's not operational today. So once again, you would have something the Holy Spirit is doing that's limited to a specific period of time. What the Holy Spirit, the power it gave Samson, not operating today. The giving revelation, a leading into all truth, not operational today. For, for the inspiration of scripture. The dunamis, the ability to do miracles, that power is not operational today because we're not doing miracles and wonders. I, that's the point we're going to try to see if we can find that. So let, let's keep going. That's Acts 2.22. The next one is Acts 3.12. Acts 3.12. Acts 3.12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye earnestly on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk. Our own power, dunamis. Once again, the dunamis here is referencing to the ability to do miracles. 
They made someone walk. It's the, it's the power. The dunamis there empowered them to do miracles. The Holy Spirit's not operating in that way today. This was gave the, the apostles the ability to do miracles to confirm their message as being from God and to confirm their apostolic authority. Now, many still want to claim, see, God, God's giving us the ability to do miracles to confirm our preaching and to show our authority. But obviously he's not. It was an apostolic thing because if it was, look, all the charismatics who always claim they're nonsense, what happens anytime investigators show up and start investigating? You once again get the documentaries, you get the the documentary, you know, TV episode showing, well, we investigated these miracles, fraudulent, fraudulent, lie, 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 person died, person wasn't actually healed. And that that wouldn't be the case. Um, that's so Acts 2.22. Let me go back here. Acts 2.22, Acts 3.12. Now let's go to Acts 4, 7. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. All right. Here we go. Acts 4, 7. And and we have uh, healings taking place in Acts chapter 3. And then Acts chapter 4, verse, we'll just go to verse uh, 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached uh, through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them that heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many were the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? All right. By what power have you done this? All right. They, I want you to see that they, once again, they, they want to know how they have done miracles. I think that's, that's clearly what you're going to see here. What, it, what has happened and what is going on. Um, and yeah, we can go all, all the way back to chapter three where a lame man is healed. Uh, I, think, I think you can clearly see this. They want to know by what power have you done this? Th- that's what they want to understand. Once again, the power, the dunamis is once again limited to the power that they, they, they have done this. In fact, if you, if you look, I'll just show you. That's... Uh, Acts 4, 7, I'll just, I'll just show you. Instead of just stating it, I'll, I'll just prove it to you. Acts 4, 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, what means he is made whole? They're answering how this impotent man has been made whole. They had done a miraculous miracle, a miraculous healing. Once again, dunamis is associated with a miraculous healing, miraculous display of power, right? Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. 
Acts chapter 6, verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Once again, dunamis is associated with doing miracles, doing miraculous signs. Uh, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 10. Acts chapter 8, verse 10. Acts chapter 8, verse 10. We read this. Acts chapter 8, verse 10. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. All right. Now, if you go back and look at what happened, verse 9, but there was a certain man called uh, Simon which before before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God, dunamis. Once again, it's this in this particular case, it's not speaking of the Holy Spirit, it's speaking of this person supposedly having great ability to do something miraculous, something supernatural. It's again, a miraculous, some kind of miraculous display of power. Dunamis, miraculous sign, miraculous ability, miraculous works. That's how it's used right there. All right. So let's go. So that's uh, Acts 2.22, Acts 3.12, Acts 4.7, Acts 6.8, and Acts 8.10. All right. And Acts 8.10, it is re- the verse is referring to pagan miracle working power. Then they have chapter 8. Let's see, is it, is it verse 13? Let's go to chapter uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 13. Acts chapter 8, is it verse 13? I believe it's verse 13. Yes. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Miracles, dunamis. Once again, it's talking about miraculous works. Dunamis over and over and over is speaking of this supernatural ability to do these supernatural works. Dunamis. That's that's what it's referencing, all right? Go to uh, chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, dunamis, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Once again, dunamis is referring to miraculous power, miraculous signs, right? That, that's what it's referring to. Then Acts 19.11. Acts 19.11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Miracles, dunamis, So in all of these cases, dunamis is referencing miraculous power. That power is not operational today in our life. It's just not. You can claim it all day. And the reason I'm trying to stress this is so many times Christians are like, we've got dunamis, we've got power. So the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to do this or this or this or this. And what I want to demonstrate is time and time again, when we talk about what the Holy Spirit does or doesn't do, we see that in many cases that we are referencing things that had a specific purpose for a specific period of time that's not happening today. The Holy Spirit is not giving us revelation today. No, he's not leading us into all truth because if we, if he had, we would all arrive at truth and, well, there's nothing but disagreement in the Christian life, so that's not the case. He's not giving revelation. He's not leading us into all truth. I don't... 
When we say that he's illuminating us, I even call that into question because if he's illuminating you, well, then what does that look like? What does that mean? You just read a scripture and all of a sudden it's illuminating and now you understand it? Well, so now is your understanding infallible since supposedly it came to you from the Holy Spirit? That just leads to, well, all kinds of problems. And and when it comes to we have power, we have power. All this power that Christians claim, well, the dunamis, maybe that dunamis, that power was restricted to specific things for a specific, specific period of time, not only in the Old Testament, like coming upon Samson, but in the apostolic era, and it's not happening today. This is what Grudem says. I'm going to go back. Now, he's not, he's not making the same argument I'm making, but I'm relying on the fact that he points all of this out. I We just went through to confirm everything he says to make sure it's verified, but I'm using it to make my point. Here's what here, here's the point he tries to make. The word here translated power, dunamis, occurs nine other times in Acts. In one case, chapter 4, verse 33, it is unclear whether that power refers to powerful preaching that convicted the hearers or to miraculous signs that accompanied the preaching. But in the other eight examples, Acts 2, 22, 3, 12, 4, 7, 6, 8, 8, 10, and in 8, 10, it's referring to pagan miracle working power, uh, 813, 1038, and 1911, it refers to power to work miracles. This meaning of the term dunamis is further confirmed by its frequent use in Luke's gospel to refer to miracle working power. The same thing happens in Luke's gospel. Therefore, when Jesus promised the disciples in Acts 1.8 that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it seems likely that they would have understood him to mean at least the power of the Holy Spirit to work miracles that would attest to the truthfulness of the gospel. Because the immediate context of the sentence talks about being witnesses for Jesus, they may have also understood him to mean that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit to work through their preaching and bring conviction of sins and awaken faith in people's hearts. This power of their preaching was evident in subsequent events, as when Peter's hearers were cut to the heart, and when many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came about was 5,000. Now, I'm going to stop right here and say this. This word dunamis is used in Luke. Now, in Acts, see, in Acts 1.8, I don't think it's the same word, though. I think that's, I think we do have to at least acknowledge this. In Acts 1.8, because I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's not accurate. Um, No, it's dunamis. It's dunamis. So in Acts 1.8, it's dunamis. So to me, the fact that the word is used this way over and over in Acts, it's even used the same way in Luke, that to me, this is what it's saying. Because I, I hear this quoted all the time. I hear this preached all the time, and, and it's always applied to us. And oh, I'm telling you, this is what drives me so crazy about this subject. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea. Yes, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were going to be witnesses. And what was one of the key elements to their witnessing? Their ability to do supernatural miracles. Because the miracles was a confirmation of their apostolic authority and that their message was from God. This was supernatural ability during the apostolic era. That's what it was for. So when you tell someone you're a Christian now, you have dunamis. Well, 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 no, I do. 
So if I have dunamis, if I have power, then why can't I do miraculous works? Well, okay, no, you don't have that power. Well, then what power do I have? Because dunamis here, and, and at least all in the book of Acts, what, what does it refer to? If we, It's used 77 times in Scripture. So if we go past Acts, let's go past Acts. In uh, Romans, okay, that the, we, we hear that the gospel is the dunamis of God. All right, so we, we know that. Then when we get past that, um, we, we have Romans 1.20 that refers to God's eternal power, dunamis. Uh, we have Romans 8.38, no power can separate me from the love of God. Romans 9.17 is about Pharaoh and I'm going to show my power. God is going to show his power in him. Romans 15.13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now in this case, the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost, the dunamis of the Holy Ghost, is referred to here as that it's going to fill you with joy and peace and a, that you're going to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here, the power of the Holy Ghost is to help you abound in hope. Romans 15, 19, through mighty signs and wonders, once again, it's uh, uh, connected to that. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. When we see the message of the as a saved person, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. We see the power of God work in the cross. We see the power of God in the preaching, right? That that's that's still different than the way we constantly sell this. First Corinthians 124, but unto them which are called both Jew and Greek, Christ the dunamis of God and the wisdom of God, we see the dunamis in Christ, all right. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Well, yeah, Paul's preaching was in the demonstration of the spirit and power because Paul did many mighty works. Once again, because he's an apostle, apostolic authority. 1 Corinthians 2, 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah, my faith stands in the power of God, not in my own power. 1 Corinthians 4.19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power, all right? 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. 1 Corinthians 5.4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 6.14, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us by his own power, Okay, I'm going to be raised from I'm going to be raised from the dead physically and spiritually by God's dunamis. I'm not going to be able to raise myself from spiritual death or physically. God's going to have to do that. 1 Corinthians 12:10 to another the working of miracles. Now here we have the gifts given in 1 Corinthians 12 and again we have gifts given during the apostolic era and we believe those gifts stop after the apostolic era. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God hath, sent, uh, hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gift of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, again, apostolic gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all apostles or all prophets or all teachers or all workers of miracles? Absolutely not. It wasn't even true. At, not everyone at that time could do all of those things. Not even at that time. And clearly, today, th those gifts are not operational. 
uh, verse 1 Corinthians 14, 11, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and, that, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Now, the word meaning there is the word that refers to dunamis. So that has no connection. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, which he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. So God's going to put down all earthly powers. 1 Corinthians 15, 43, It is sown our body in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It is sown as weakness and raised in power. I'm going to receive a glorified body that's raised in power. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Strength of, of, of sin, the dunamis of sin, is the law. 2 Corinthians 1.8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we are pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we have despaired even of life. Well, you can go through all the rest because I don't want to spend forever, but what you're seeing is many of these dunamis has nothing to do with me having some supernatural power it does speak of the apostles during the apostolic era having supernatural power to do miracles. That's what it's referencing. Um, I, I, I'm just going to go through. I'm, I'm going to skip down and look at a couple of more here. Um, Ephesians 1.19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That's God's power, dunamis, and, and my salvation. Um, let's see here. Now here, Ephesians 3.16, this is where you can start kind of trying to apply it, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, dunamis, by his spirit in the inner man. All right, now there we could start talking about how that would work. Um, Ephesians 3.20 not unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. So there, Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. There is where we start getting some idea of some kind of strength in us. But I just want you to already see, wait a minute, it's not the same dunamis as was operating in Acts because we don't have that same power. So what, what power do we supposedly have? You got to be very careful because lots of times we make claims that just, where, where is it? Where, where is that? Where You can claim all day so much, but time and time again, you're going to demonstrate that, well, you, you, the flesh is still there, all right? Um, yeah, and you can go through and, and find some more. We'll have to work, we will have to work on some of these. We will definitely have to work on some of these. I just wanted you to see that dunamis, at least in Acts, all of that refers to power to do miraculous works, miraculous signs, miraculous miracles. And that dunamis is not operating today. And if you claim it is, you'll be proven a liar time and time again. I, I, I've talked about it before. I worked in, and I hate bringing the story up all the time, but it's just, it's just a great Example, I worked with these people who claimed to be apostles, two people who claimed to be apostles, claimed that they had dunamis, had power to do miracles. Again, I worked with a woman right next, right next to me, and we worked almost side by side. She gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. They say she's going to die. They come marching down to the office. First, they claim God has revealed to them 
Yeah, so they claim that the Holy Spirit has revealed to them that she is not going to die, that she has been healed. And so she starts crying. They lay hands on her and she goes home, tells her family that she'd been healed by God, that God had told these people and she was all happy. And six months later, she was dead. The, the, I hate to say this. I'm going to not be, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to try, try to be nice. The wonderful individuals who made such a garbage claim, well, they weren't there to pick up the pieces and tell the family, hey, we lied to your mom. No, they weren't there to tell the kids or the husband. They just ran and hid because they're cowards and they lied and they did not speak for God and they did not have dunamis to heal. Those same people who claim to have all this power to heal were also ones who would call me frequently for an appointment. Hey, you got any appointments? I need to see the doctor. I haven't been feeling good. Wait, wait, you got dunamis, man. You're an apostle. Get out of my face. I'll use the appointment line and I'll, I'll get the people, depending on where I worked at the time and which clinic or what I was in charge of at the time. I almost at times wanted to say, I, no, I don't have any. I don't have any appointments for you or anyone who goes to your stinking church. I don't have anything for you because you claim dunamis. You claim power. Well, then you you should be in the parking lot healing people. You shouldn't be looking for the doctor. And they would and they would be like, I would hear their messages that were recorded and, and, and you know placed online that Sunday night they had a healing service and they would be talking about how many people in their church were healed. And then you would find I would have someone calling from that church for an appointment. I'd be I'd want to be like, no, you, everybody at your church was healed last night. Why are you calling me? We, we don't have appointments for people who are delusional and lie, okay? That's what I wanted to say, but of course, that would have been wrong. So I always tried to treat them as, a, 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 as I should, a patient, and take care of them. But it was very frustrating because they lied. And uh, so whatever dunamis we have, it can't, we have to immediately, we have to at least acknowledge this. It's not that, that power is not operating today. It, put it this way, that power is not doing that today. Just like it wasn't, just like the work in Samson is not happening today. Even charismatics don't claim that. There's maybe some crazy person, but they're not claiming to have the power Samson had. So clearly that's not operational. And clearly dunamis, as it was working in the apostolic era to give this ability to do miracles, that's not operating today. So when the, we say that we have dunamis in us, what exactly is it giving us strength to do? Because we claim, oh, I've got the omnipotent power of God in me to stop sinning. And then Christians will say that and then say, but, but, but I can't be sinless. Well, that doesn't sound like the omnipotent power, omnipotent power of God. So again, we make claims that just, does Christians not hear themselves? Do Christians just not hear themselves? Well, you make all kinds of claims that's just not accurate, that's just not true. Yeah, I you hear that silence? I I don't know. I just I just know I, I put it this way, I wish it was true. Because I was sold this bill of goods when I became, first became a Christian as a teenager. Now you have the Holy Spirit. You have power. You have the ability. And I'm a teenager, teenage boy. Okay. Teenage boy. You understand that? Okay. You understand desire, lust? Do you understand that? 
Oh, but I've got the spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. It should have just all went away. It didn't go away. I had to struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And there was failure and there was sin. And I had to struggle and struggle and struggle and feel bad and feel guilty and struggle and struggle. But I supposedly had supernatural power. It was just going to make it all go away. Oh, it's easy to say that when you're 67 or 70 or 75 and, a, you know, yeah. Well, when, when a lot of that, those strong desires go away, then you can say it and so be so loud and proud about it. But uh, come on. Come on, you still got sins you struggle with. You can't admit that. So what, what's the power doing in us? And, and Luke and in Acts, Dunamis clearly references, and, and in most cases, it's referencing the power of the gospel, the power of God, the power to raise it. It's, it's, it's always used almost in a different way. Whenever it speaks of that power in us, in many cases, it doesn't clearly and I'm not saying there aren't any passages that don't, but most of these passages don't clearly go. This is how it works. This is what it's going to do in you. This, this is we, we fill in those missing that missing information. You've got the power, and, and again, we'll say things. Well, if you're saved and you've got the power of God in you, you can never have same-sex attraction. Never. It, you just can't be saved and have that. Well, wait a minute. So you can you can be saved and have. Same, uh, Opposite sex attraction and lust and bitterness and unforgiveness. What, what? How does that work? I think the Holy Spirit, the dunamis that's operating in me, keeps me saved, seals me, ensures. I think. I think that I'm not saying it's not doing anything, but we just got to be careful how we sell it because I think we sell something that we all know. It's not doing what we all claim that it is. If it was, 2,000 years of church history, even the world would have to be like, man, they got a power we don't have. They got a power to love their enemy. They got a power to do this. They got a power. They don't sin. They stop sinning. They don't lust. They don't get their, their marriages don't fall apart. They don't have problems. Everything is perfect. And their churches don't fall apart. There's never church splits. There's never division. There's never scandal. And no, everyone looking at the church for 2000 year church history is like, man, those people are messed up. Hmm. I wonder why. All right. There you go. You can disagree with me by emailing me, newsif at yahoo.com. You can't disagree with what dunamis means in Acts because I've clearly proven that. Um, I, can't, I, I think in Luke, you're going to see the same thing. We made it all the way up to, it's where Ephesians and Colossians is where you have some verses where you start going, hmm, how does that work? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to have that discussion, but I just, you just got to be careful. You can't make a claim that reality doesn't support. Or you're going to start claiming that what you, they don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't have the Holy Spirit, and then one day you're going to look in the mirror and go, and that person doesn't have the Holy And you're like, oh, I'm talking to myself. All right, we'll stop there. I'm going to, I'm going to get something to eat. That's what I'm going to do because I need sustenance, okay, because I, I, need, I need food. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.